the topic today. I was inspired by from a conversation that I was having with one of our students a few weeks back. And as I was talking to her about her path and where she is right now, I really saw myself reflected so clearly, um, which is such a beautiful thing to see. Um, it's like a feeling of belonging, you know, when you see yourself in, in someone else. And it highlighted to me something I've been really interested in for a while, which is the different phases we go through when we are spiritual practitioners and seekers and how our path kind of matures and we retain some of the qualities that we had when we started, but in some way they change. So I wanted to share today four different phases that we go through as really dedicated spiritual practitioners. And that's what I saw in, in this student of mine. I saw that there was this deep hunger because she had tasted something, you know, it comes because something, something grabs our interest. Something resonates deeply. It could just be something small that we heard when we were children or an experience that we had, or maybe as an adult, we tasted the power of the spiritual community somehow, or we tasted the power of the philosophy or the practice, something mystical, maybe something esoteric, the energy somehow, and then we get hungry. And there's a word that has been used for millennia to describe this phase, and it's the seeker, the phase of the seeker. And really, it's I wanted to share four stages of the seeker because you never stop being a seeker. Um, it being the way we seek, you know, it morphs into other phases and stages. Um, but once we catch that hunger and that yearning for the truth, you know, some people say, or for whatever the next iteration of the truth is, it's this moving target. We, we're never finally satisfied and we also don't want to be so. And that hunger takes us on a journey through the, these, these four kind of phases. And, um, so we'll start at the top. Well, maybe I'll just share what the four phases is, four phases are, and then elaborate a little bit more. So the first one is, the first phase one is where we just want to consume. We are so hungry and there's so much information and there's teachers out there and we just want to be with the best teachers and consume as much information as possible. The second phase is where we begin to repeat and redistribute this information that we have consumed and accumulated. The third phase is where we start to question everything before it. And then in the fourth stage, I call, you know, I chose the word codify. And that's where we distill, formulate, and embody a new iteration of the teaching. So, you know, at the beginning of my journey, I was a very hungry seeker. 
Before I started practicing yoga, I was fascinated with this mystical East. I had heard of the term enlightenment and seen images of levitating yogis or meditators, and there was something incredibly resonant and interesting about it. However, I, for, you know, until I became, until I turned 21 or something like that, I thought it was all a secret. So I thought, there is some magic happening somewhere that I don't have access to, and I have absolutely no, I don't even have anyone I could ask about it to have access to it. And of course, this is before search engines and the internet. Well, there was a a little bit of the internet around, but, you know, we didn't have Google and you couldn't just search enlightenment. Otherwise, I definitely would have. That word meant something deep to me. And, And as I went to uni and I learned about the enlightenment from a Western sociological point of view and economic point of view, um, you know, I was disheartened that there was nothing really mystical and magical about it. So I was, I wasn't really a seeker. Um, I started practicing Bikram yoga when I was 19 and became really, really involved with it, but it was purely a physical pursuit and I was very interested in this main um, benefit that they spoke about continuously, which was this detoxification of the body. So I wasn't really a seeker at that time until I found Agama, which is the yoga school that I moved to when I was 21. And I was actually um, planning on going to do a Bikram yoga teacher training. And I ended up at the Agama school, this yoga school in Thailand, which was like this yogi university. (laughs) And all it spoke about was the mystical and enlightenment and magical powers continuously. And there was no shortage of information and I wanted to know everything. So this was the consume phase. I like skipped ahead so many steps that most people start with where they, where, you know, some information starts to trickle in and they get a really interesting book written by a yogi or written by meditation teacher. I didn't get any of that. I just got thrown into this school that had like 24 levels of all of this. It was, it was just compilation after compilation after compilation of mystical and esoteric information that the teachers had compiled from every other mystical tradition in the entire world. (laughs) So, you know, they called it this yoga university. So anything you wanted to learn, you could learn about astrology and new age tantra and classical tantra. And um, parapsychology and just everything. You could do any course. And this was in Thailand, so you could live quite cheaply and just keep studying at the school. So I wanted to know everything. And I was in this consume phase. Um, so doing courses and courses and levels. And I just wanted to move up this ladder of knowledge and know everything. And with, um, 
you know, I'm a very focused person, very motivated person. So I moved through this phase really quickly and, you know, leapt ahead and, um, and really absorbed so much of this knowledge. And very quickly, I moved into phase two. And in phase two is where you repeat and redistribute, um, oftentimes in the teaching world, the word regurgitate is used as well to describe when you are repeating and redistributing information that you've heard. So it's not really teaching something. It's not something that one has necessarily experienced, embodied, and codified themselves, which would make you a teacher. It's um, redistributing information. And um, I quickly moved into this phase after three months of being at this school, I did their teacher training course, which was like another real fast track where you like jump ahead to level eight or something after you finish the teacher training because you do so many levels so quickly. Um, and I became indoctrinated to some degree into this system. And this system, well, just a little bit more information on what it was teaching. So Agama Yoga, that still exists, although many years ago it went through a lot of controversy and it completely shrunk down. Like there was a time when my classes had like a hundred people in the class over there. Um, and now it's probably like three or four. So the school fully shrunk down and it was really, really booming at one stage. And I kind of left before its real peak, as I, as you'll see, as I explain more. But Agama was this, it took all this, this information. It had such a database of yogic and spiritual and esoteric information. And it didn't really distill it in any way. It just compiled it into manuals and manuals and manuals teaching about these different teachings. And it had a heavy emphasis on the classical Hatha Yoga period. So this is a period from 15th century India where yoga was undergoing its a new iteration where a lot of ascetic, formerly ascetic techniques were being rebranded for the householder and being spoken about to have physiological and medical benefits as well as mystical benefits and they weren't just purely ascetic techniques about burning karma but they were like more of these householder techniques and so there are you know manuals and texts from that time that still exist and um, there are very few and then in the 20th century a lot of those manuals had resurfaced and there was a new fascination and a new wave of research into that classical Hatha Yoga period. There was Jung who looked at this and the chakra system, and then there was this kind of explosion of the New Age religion, which is the a system that, that many of us are indoctrinated in now, um, which says, you know, there is a chakra system, there are seven chakras, there are energy bodies, and there are certain, and the reason it's a religion is because there are these standardized beliefs which are dogmatic in nature and say that, you know, this is, this is the energy body. Every single person has this. So it's speaking in an absolute way. 
And um, outsiders could easily dispute and, you know, logically say that the tenants from within the system don't hold true in all situations. But within the religion, it works to kind of support the practices. So not going too much into detail about that, but that's the system that Agama was was teaching predominantly. So it's mostly the New Age yoga and spirituality, as well as compiling all kinds of other teachings from Christianity and classical Tantra, um, Buddhism, Taoism, Tibetan Buddhism. So there was so much information, but it did this thing that is so typical of the New Age religion and typical of, of humans and religions in general, which was that it tried to conflate everything with everything else. So it tried to say that all of these religions are pointing to one truth. All of the religions are talking about um, that there are seven levels to the universe or all of trying to draw parallels from all of the different systems and Western medicine and Socrates and astrology and saying that they all are speaking about this one truth, like that there is a super religion. And that is the very much the nature of um, new age religion to do that. So that's the kind of school and information that Agama was. And as a very young and fresh and interested seeker who was also getting some crazy effects from the practices that were being taught, not to mention how all of these teachings fit in like pieces of the puzzle to this big picture, I was consuming everything like crazy. And yes, I wanted to have all of the knowledge and I wanted to climb the hierarchy that was... You know, it's a very clear hierarchy, very masculine system at this school. But also, I I didn't just want to climb the hierarchy, and I didn't just want all of the knowledge. I also wanted real results, and I, I wanted to be a master. And some things worked, and some things didn't. And at some point, I felt confident to face the fear of falling out of step with the community and trusted my intelligence. And I moved into this phase of number three, which is questioning. So being able to question why some things worked and why some things didn't work and being able to balance that with staying the course and and softening the mind and staying out of the mind. So being able to question is actually just so necessary. It can be respectable. People who questioned the teachings, the levels, the swami, the manuals, the courses, they were ostracized. (laughs) And I realized that there is a way. There was a huge paradigm shift as I started to question why some things worked and why some things didn't work and question more deeply the the path and the the systems itself and see that it was still respectable and it wasn't obnoxious to do so and that it was actually really necessary and i really truly feel that most people 
in spirituality never move past phase one and two. Consume and redistribute. So that being able to question as well as consume and redistribute was, like I said, like a paradigm shift for me to see that it was something valuable, respectable, and necessary instead of something to be worried about. And I was confident um, that my intelligence and my questioning wouldn't lead me astray and it wouldn't lead me to be abandoned or ostracized um, and it wouldn't lead me away from faith and away from my teachers and away from the things that had already offered me so much and offered me so much promise and so much opportunity, I realized that questioning could be worked into the path as well. So for me, phase four is when you actually become a teacher. And we're always going to be participating in the first three phases. You know, we're always going to be seekers. We're always going to redistribute information before we fully questioned and embodied it but eventually we organically you can't force it we organically reach this codify stage and in this stage it's where we distill and formulate and embody the teaching and we codify it in our own way and this is when we have something unique and necessary to offer and prior to um, having access to this stage our time is not best spent trying to be a teacher in any way but probably our work is best spent supporting our teachers and making their work more accessible while we experiment and apprentice ourselves and start to explore what it's like to teach and redistribute and embody so none of these phases are really are so distinct they all kind of bleed into each other as you know the spiritual path there's so many lines of development in it and you might get you might move really quickly really far in one area and already be in this phase four and in some areas you might find yourself in phase one for a very long time but it's important to know that there are these phases and, and you should be looking for milestones of moving through them and we need to move into stage three in order to move into phase four. If you're interested in a little bit more about yoga, I'm going to include some really good articles in the um, show notes. So for each of these episodes, there's a web page for them and any resources that I mention in the episode, the girls always link in the notes. So that might be a good place to start to, for me, the questioning phase, what was really important was looking at yoga from an academic point of view. So not from what people inside the industry are regurgitating, but what people from the outside objectively are researching and finding and observing about what's going on inside is something that totally blew my mind and um, was really interesting for me to get a more rounded and functional perspective about the practices that were being performed inside the spiritual systems from long ago and also in our current day and age. 
So I hope this episode hasn't been too hard to listen to with my voice. And also, my belly has just gotten so big, I'm like continuously out of breath and everything is like this pressure. So hopefully you can tell that I'm kind of like panting between each sentence. So I hope you've enjoyed and um, this has sparked some food for thought for you in terms of your own path as a seeker. Um, I kind of just jotted down these phases. If you think there are other phases that you've been through, I'd be really interested to hear. Um, as always, you can let me know what you think about the episode in our Facebook group and just comment on the on the episode as we'll put up a post with the link to it and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these four phases and your own journey as a seeker and if you enjoy this resource and want to give back um, then something that could be a really great support to us would be leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and we're going to choose a um, winner each month by selecting randomly someone who has posted a review for us to win a free History of Hatha Yoga course. And that is really in keeping with this idea of questioning the industry, um, and especially the yoga industry. So the History of Yoga course is mind-blowing, just a compilation of everything I've learned from the outside looking into how yoga has formed and why, um, as well as the different practices that dominated the different phases of its development. So even if you don't want to win a free course, please consider posting a review for us on Apple Podcasts and definitely let me know what you think about the episode. I look forward to hearing from you and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Functional Spirituality Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe by pressing the plus button on iTunes or the following button on Spotify. This is going to ensure that this resource is available and top of mind when you most need it. So please subscribe now.